Hello and welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down Manchester United's nil-nil draw with Liverpool, which still leaves them top of the table. Carl, how are you feeling about that result? I thought it was a fair result overall, but all things considered, I am a little disappointed. Uh, I felt like United did have the better chances and and could have come away with a victory. Uh, it is Liverpool at the end of the day, so not only to inflict a loss, but to make their record at home disappear after, I think it's 67 games, would have been a nice cherry on top. Uh, wasn't meant to be, but you know what? Still top of the table, like you said, so I'll take it. Look, we have a special guest who definitely did not want to see that happen, so I'm sure he's pretty happy. Your faves, fave Raptor reporter at Yahoo Sports, Will, William Liu. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hopping on, man. Of course. I'm a... Uh already a big time listener to your podcast so congrats on all the work that you guys have been doing and um honestly congrats on coming away still top of the league at the moment i can't believe you guys are on top (laughs) but you know it is what it is and honestly i'm a little bit relieved after that game because you guys had two incredible chances to end the the streak the anfield streak and um, everything like that but yeah no no it's uh I, i don't imagine either of you know any of the three of us are that thrilled necessarily about this result but uh i'm curious to see what you guys think you know i'll I'll say this if if you were putting everything into context this was probably the best time for united to come away with a victory you're missing your best central defender by a country mile in van dyke your best midfielders in jordan henderson and fabinho have to play in the back so you're losing quite a bit in terms of attacking threat all those things considered united on a crazy win streak or not losing for i can't remember how many games it's been so all these things with the momentum and everything so i feel like united fans should be disappointed with this yeah i mean disappointed i'm not quite so sure just because liverpool again at the end of the day they have been so good at home and they've played pretty much the entire season without van dyke it's the attacking side of the ball where they've really lost their luster That front three of Mane, Firmino, and Salah, they just don't seem to have the same cutting edge that they did, whether it was last season or the season before. And I saw this is the first time they haven't won in four games in in four-something years. And so I think it reflects that as much as they tried to fix things in the back after that 7-2 loss to Aston Villa, the attacking threat isn't quite there. And the first 25 minutes were prime example of that where Liverpool bossed the game courtesy of Thiago instead of having chance after chance it was just opportunity after opportunity in the final third but they couldn't actually create a big chance that you're looking back and saying oh United really got lucky there what did you make of that stretch Will? Yeah I mean you know if you're if you have seen every Liverpool match this season as I have like this is kind of the the norm Liverpool always comes out really strong, playing really fast, the pace of the game, dominate the ball. And I think teams kind of know to expect that. I thought the way Ollie set you guys up today, first off, very defensive, I think, in the midfield. It seemed like you guys were ready to absorb that pressure. And, you know, of course, you know, Liverpool had ridiculous possession. I think it was, you know, over 70% at one point or over some stretch. And and that was all great. That's fantastic. The issue right now for Liverpool is they can't string that and keep that up for a full 90 minutes. And so they kind of eased off after that. And and honestly, right now, they're just kind of lacking some finishing quality. 
you know, you mentioned, you know, four straight games without a win. You can't win without scoring. And Liverpool is just straight up not scoring at all. They, they left all their goals at Crystal Palace. It's this incredible dry spell at the moment where I think the two wingers are not as dynamic as they were before. I think also you guys played it smart in terms of like your back line was so deep that there were no one-on-one chances for Salah to run in with some space behind like McGuire and Lindelof or anyone like that. I also think that, yeah, I mean, Firmino is just really, really struggling um, this season. He had that great header to win against Spurs, which was amazing. Outside of that, he has been uh, lackluster. And I think his role in terms of connecting the play between the midfield and the the two strikers up top, like he has just not been able to do that as much because like you saw today, Liverpool had Shaqiri, they had Thiago. So they had guys who could play forward passes and what they needed was a number nine to convert chances. And Firmino has just been really wasteful with his chances all season. And tonight was another example of that. So it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, you could say Liverpool played well to start, but, you know, that's literally happened in, in all their recent games, I guess, except for Southampton, where they conceded in the first minute, but whatever. Carl, looking at the way United started the game, they're starting 11, the formation. You had Lindelof coming in for Bayi. You had. Anthony Marshall getting the start ahead of Edinson Cavani. Any of that surprise you? Pogba on the right, maybe? So I thought, so there are two big surprises for me. Number one was Lindelof starting over Bai, And number two, Paul Pogba playing on the right. Uh, I must give credit to Ole. He got both of those spot on. Victor vindicated uh, the trust placed in him. He had a fantastic game. He didn't put a foot wrong for most of that. Uh, in terms of Pogba playing on the right, I was very nervous about that because in my head, I was if, if Andy Robertson gets down that wing and starts to cross balls, it, we know that Pogba's defensive side of his game is not necessarily his strength. But I thought he did a, you know, a job. Yeah, he left him open a couple of times. Uh, luckily, Liverpool didn't find him. But overall, I think the tactics paid off. Now, one that I would have liked to have seen that we had called for was Cavani up top. That didn't happen. Uh, am I surprised that didn't happen? Not really. I've seen Ole do this in the past. I think he, part of man management is going on here where he knows that if Anthony can get going against Liverpool, that could definitely change the season. However, that was not the case. Vivek, were you surprised with uh, any of the selections? I honestly thought Edinson Cavani would get the start. I think he's been the form striker. When you look at Anthony Marshall, there's nothing he's really done to earn his place in the 11 so that one surprised me Lindelof versus Bayi. I would have preferred to see Bayi, but I can see how in a match like this with United's tactics with the way Ole was going to go about it I can see how he went with Lindelof and yeah for sure like Pogba hasn't played on the right all season it was obviously a shock to see him there but to your point he played really well as he was able to grow into the game as he was able to move more central I thought he had more of an influence there were times he was trying to make that run down the right, but there was no Pogba to find him. <laughs> and so when you have Scott and Fred, those are the limitations, right? And you, it, it becomes all the more glaring when you see someone like Thiago doing what he's doing and being able to play both sides of the ball and help build up Liverpool's attack and then also uh, shut out Bruno in this match. And so with Scott and Fred, that's going to be something that they have to continue to work on to help United get to the next level, to help themselves take a next leap individually. Beyond that, I think when you look at what happened after those first 25 minutes, that's where you look and say, hey, United 
maybe we're the better team. And so that is something where, again, I go back to thinking of the word disappointment. Yeah, the, the, the finishing was disappointing. But to see United take the steps that they've taken over the course of the season and show that outside of those first 25 minutes, they were very much the better team. I think that's a big positive for me to be able to take advantage of this situation without Van Dijk, maybe not reflected in the points. Well, you mentioned pretty shocking to see United at the top of the table uh, at this stage. Who did you find maybe most threatening from a United front? You know, what maybe got you nervous in uh, those final, say, 20 to 30 minutes? Well, I mean, at first I thought I was more nervous about Rashford. It seems like because Liverpool played like an absurdly high line and maybe a little bit because they're playing Fabinho and Henderson in the midfield. Um, obviously, those guys are midfielders. They're playing in the back. I was worried about the ball over the top to Rashford. That's how they got burned by um, Human Son, for example. And kind of that's kind of the strategy teams have really been playing as Liverpool. Like really, really sit back deep, ball over the top. Um, the guy with some pace, some finishing. And I thought Rashford fit the bill. He didn't really fit the bill tonight in terms of how he played, but he seemed like the obvious target. And then as the game kind of slowed down, I mean, it became clear that there were two threats for you guys. I thought Bogba started winning that matchup a little bit with Robertson as the game went on. I think early on, and it was pointed out at halftime that like he, he was just so far off Robertson, obviously, because he doesn't really, he's, he's not really used to playing in that position. So, you know, Robertson was able to creep behind him regularly, tons of space, no pressure on him. He was able to tackle forward. Um, but you guys survived that. And then, you know, as the game kind of slowed down a little bit more, it became more and more stretched, a little bit more open. Yeah, Pogba was dangerous. And I thought Bruno, honestly, I mean, you guys watch Bruno all the time. So you guys are probably thinking, well, this is a below average performance of Bruno. You got to do better, this and this and this. Honestly, <laughs> every time he has the ball, I'm scared. He just always tries to do something. And he usually pulls it off. I mean, he had the free kick in the first half, which was like centimeters <laughs> from from uh, <laughs> the top corner there. And I don't think even a keeper as good as Allison was going to be able to dive um, top corner like that. You know, I thought Bruno created some good chances you know, later in the game as well. Obviously, he had that one chance that was stopped by Allison, which was a great save. But yeah, he's a very, very clever player. And um, that's where I thought your threats are coming from. Selvin wasn't coming from, uh, from Martial, though. He could have been solved off a half. <laughs> yeah, so I thought, you know what, uh, to your point, Bruno... For the first 25 minutes, I thought Thiago had him in his pocket. He mm-hmm. couldn't get anything going. I, I think I could count the number of touches Bruno had in the first 25 minutes. And that's just a testament to how well Thiago played. I was looking up the stats. It looks like Thiago's only played about like five or six games for Liverpool because of his injuries. But uh, Vivek mentioned this earlier on. You look at a defensive midfielder that can do the defensive side of the job. But then when they win the ball, they have the, the, the IQ to pick that forward pass, it's very rare in today's game. I was thinking about who who's out there. I mean, you had like a Sergio Busquets, probably I would say a Marco Verratti for PSG, Kimmich for Bayern Munich. But after that, there's not many people who can do that. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne plays in more of an attacking role, so I'm not going to consider him a DM at all. So Thiago, I think, is going to make a real difference for you, Liverpool moving forward if he can stay fit. You talk about, you know, being able to unlock the defense, create chances. With him on the pitch against lesser opposition, uh, the goals should start to come back in. I I can already see that, which is why I think this was a missed opportunity from United to get more of a buffer with Liverpool, because I can see Liverpool uh, going on a run here. 
I mean, City, they win the two games that they have in hand. They go top with the drop points for United. So plenty for United to look for behind them. Going back to this match, one thing maybe we can touch on is we mentioned Marshall's struggles. It just seemed like United went to a different gear once Edinson Cavani came on. For me, it's night and day when those two uh, are playing. And you will look at Marshall. It's like everyone has to take on a different role when he's on the pitch to almost make up for everything that he doesn't bring. And when you bring out a true striker, a true number nine in Cavani, everyone seems to just fall into place. Bruno all of a sudden knows where uh, the striker is going to be, knows exactly where to find him. Pogba is now looking up for him. Rashford knows how to make his runs because he's in his most comfortable position. And so that gap between those two, it's too significant that uh, for me, when United are in this title race now, whenever Cavani is fit and ready to go, he needs to be in that starting lineup. To Will's point, like, forget starting the match. Even if he comes out at halftime, that might be the difference between three points and one, in my opinion. That's how staggering the difference was between the two, in my opinion. That's why I probably have Anthony Marshall taking the Beckham boot in this one. So Vivek, question for you: If if you're you know saying that Cavani should be starting, are you effectively sending the message to Martial that he's surplus to requirements at this point? Yeah, of course. And I mean, if I'm being honest, I think Liverpool would love to have a Cavani right now. When you look at the way uh, Firmino has been playing in front of the net, you know, I don't know how Will feels about that, but that's exactly the type of striker when you're playing united style you need that who can get in between the lines who can just create problems not only going forward but dropping deep and opening up the space uh, for wingers to cut in as well and that just is such a big part of rashford's game so yeah i feel i feel like he's the no-brainer starter for me well when you look at liverpool struggles up top can you see them addressing it within the squad right now well, I mean, I, I think they have a nice uh, option that uh, is currently out right now. Um, Diego Jota is, regrettably, he suffered an injury in a completely meaningless game. And it's obviously easy to say with hindsight that he shouldn't have played like Michelin or something. But yeah, there was no no consequence and, he, and he's been out with a knee injury ever since. Um, he's been Liverpool super sub. He would have absolutely come on tonight, probably 60th minute um, for Firmino, who has been really struggling. Yeah, but aside from that, I don't really know because if you if you notice, Fervino finally came off and the guy who came in, Divock Arigi, he has a great reputation and I'm very thankful for the contributions that he's made in very important moments in Champions League, you know, scoring in the final, you know, scoring the fourth goal in the comeback against Barcelona. But he has just not really done anything. He's definitely on his way out um, from the club and he's really been... I don't know. I mean, it, it, when he comes into the game, that's when you know Liverpool's kind of desperate because I don't think he's actually provided anything in a while. You know, honestly, even a Takumi Minomino is someone who can come in, and but he hasn't really made an impact with the, with the club. And, you know, I don't think he was that big of a signing in the first place. So, I mean, really, this is a game where you need Jota to come in and Jota just wasn't obviously available. And that's it's just kind of a problem. I mean, to your point, yes, I would take Cavani in the squad. I think a, a signing like Cavani, to get another veteran attacker, I think, would really, really help Liverpool, especially in the striker zone, because I think it's honestly a lot harder to fill in for to sign like star wingers. And I think you don't really upgrade on Salah and Mane, even right now where they're out of form. 
Like those guys are just so good and um, it's very, very hard to replace. But a guy in the middle who can just like connect because there's plenty of good servers for Firmino. Like you saw today, he had a lot of great chances, but he's just not clinical. And if you replaced him with somebody who could convert those, that I think that would go a long way. I think Liverpool's midfield is much more creative than previous years. I know um, you don't have Fabinho in there, but you know obviously he was more defensive anyway. Uh, Henderson does play a few balls, but I think Thiago is giving you more forward passes than Henderson would have previously. And yeah, they just kind of need to find some solutions. I, I I think that's kind of a, you know, simplified way of saying it, but really like they just haven't scored in like the three and a half games now. And um, that's going to lead to terrible results. So I didn't really see anything different today. I think it's kind of been the same strategy. And I think teams are coming to Liverpool with a really good idea of how to either get the draw or even you know come away with a surprise win like Southampton because you're just going to keep your back line really deep you're going to play really defensive and you're just going to play on the counter like every single team we're facing is a is a Jose Mourinho team and it is very frustrating <laughs> to watch <laughs> well well you know what there is something to be said if you're looking at history Uruguayan strikers tend to do pretty well at Liverpool there was one not too long ago that was banging in the goals for you guys in Luis Suarez but uh I, I want to shift the conversation slightly to to weaknesses in the opposition. And so I want to ask you first, and I'll ask Vivek. When you look at the... When, when Liverpool was planning for this game against United, where would you have pinpointed the weakness that you should go after when it comes to exposing United? I mean, you would have thought to attack Luke Shaw, right? Because I think his defense reputation has not been there. I think, obviously, Wan-Bissaka is definitely more defensively... Uh, oriented is I don't even think it's close really so I think you would probably want to attack him but I honestly Luke Shaw was quite good today so I don't really know what to say I think you you might also want to exploit the fact that Maguire is kind of slow if there was some space left behind Maguire maybe you can run past him but I thought you guys played a smart in that sense too because you guys kept kept your line very deep so there were very few opportunities if if any at all where Salah had some space to run against him or Mane had some space to run against him Besides that, honestly, like you guys played McTominay and Fred in the middle, so it's going to be very hard to play through the middle of the pitch against you guys. And honestly, like Thiago had some moments. Shakiri played one or two nice passes, and I think Liverpool tried. But yeah, that's that's probably you know where you would think you would score against United, or even on set pieces and stuff like that. But I mean, you guys were very defensively solid today. I thought you guys were really well drilled. Yeah, I think I think you make a good point. I would agree with you. I think if there's any weakness when it comes to defensive backline, it's probably on the left hand side with the Shaw and Maguire, and and maybe that was one of the reasons why Ole didn't want to put Shaw and Pogba together because then that's two weaknesses, right? So he's kind of balanced it out because he knows Juan Bissaka is solid at the back, and so even if Pogba were to expose him, he knows one on one Juan Bissaka can handle himself. So a uh, great point you 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 bring up there, Will. Now Vivek. If you're looking at this from a United perspective and you're looking to pinpoint a weakness on Liverpool, which you can expose before the game, what you what would you have suggested? And then what did you see happen during the game? So the first thing I would have said is set pieces are going to be critical because you look at the size difference and the advantage that United would have had in that regard. You look at players like Trent Alexander-Arnold, Sadio Mane, Thiago. There's a size advantage where you know, I'm almost looking at Fred and Scott saying, man, if they had a bit of Nemanja Matic to them, it'll be perfect, right? They, but they, they don't have uh, that ability to, you know, just hold the ball and play out those passes that can lead to an attack. 
And so that was something that was lacking. Uh, and then from the set pieces, you know, we've talked about Harry Maguire maybe not being good enough in that area of his game yet. And so even though United did target him on those crosses, it didn't really work out for them. Like Will said, the best set piece was the one that Bruno just went direct and just missed the post. Beyond that, I would have said the right side with Shakiri starting and Trent Alexander-Arnold just having a down season. I, I think that was an opportunity for United and maybe they missed out with Rashford not being in his customary role. If he was just on the left from the beginning, maybe that's much more of a uh, threat. That's much more of a comfort zone for him. And United could have really picked at him there. Obviously, there was that one moment where Marshall went on that slalom run and uh, nutmegged uh, Trent. But besides that, I think he was pretty listless. And so not enough advantage was taken on that side, at least while uh, Marshall was on the pitch. Yeah, Vivek, to your point, both of United's best chances in the second half came from our left, which was Liverpool's right. And it, I think it was exposing Trent, uh, where first it was Bruno getting that chance from a really nicely worked move where Rashford played it to Shaw, who crossed it to Bruno. And then you had Pogba as well. It started on the left, and then it switched over to Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who miraculously found Pogba in the box with his cross. And then Pogba banging it straight against Allison. So uh, good points. I also had Liverpool's right-hand side. I do think that defensively, Trent can be exposed more than Andy Robertson. Uh, and I thought United in the second half started to target that. That was in, in large part due to a lot of good running down the wing from Luke Shaw, who, in my opinion, was the United Cantona caller. I thought he had a fantastic game attacking, creating chances, and also defensively, he was marking Mo Salah, so he had to get back after all those runs forward, and he did a good job. Yeah, I mean, look, look I was very surprised with with Luke Shaw's performance. Um, I mean, we know he, he. I mean, he is gifted going forward. I think. Um, I think he has pretty some pretty good skills with the ball, but you just kind of look at his body and his frame, and you just kind of assume he's going to be exploitable defensively. And today, it wasn't the case. He was very solid. By the way, to, to add to your point, I, I think going back, I mean, you can look at sort of like the left or right side. And I think, yeah, the right side for Liverpool is more exploitable with um, with Trent being less, you know, defensively sound than, than, than Robertson and Shakiri on that side, not providing much cover from the midfield. But at the same time, I think really the biggest way to beat Liverpool is just with the ball over the top because um, it, it's, it's really just that they get caught in transition a lot because Liverpool is very used to having the ball, especially at Anfield having tons of the ball, especially as games go on where they don't score, they get more desperate and then their their, their balance of the pitch is off. And I think that's also where you got a lot of great chances today where just Liverpool is just kind of banging their head against the wall trying to create any sort of opportunity. And that's where some some counter chances were there. I mean, I think even with Luke Shaw, when he sort of, he whipped the short cross into to Bruno, which was probably your best chance of the game, um, that all happened because there was a turnover in play and you know, Shakiri was doing absolutely zero defending, covering back. <laughs> but yeah, Luke Shaw had a nice game. I was uh, pleasantly surprised by him. Yeah, I'm with you guys on that. Will, who did you think was uh, Liverpool's best player and should get the Noisy Neighbor Award? Yeah, I think um, it's got to be Thiago. I mean, I was really impressed. I mean, look, every single game you watch him, I think there's already like, as there is with every single Liverpool player and honestly, every single United player, they get hyped like so much and people get annoyed at the hype. And the, I don't want to say Thiago has been like 
out of this world amazing. But objectively speaking, he was Liverpool's best player, unless you want to count Allison, but definitely the best outfield player. Defensively, he's been really, really sound, especially in his role, especially with Henderson not usually in his spot or Fabinho usually in that spot. You kind of need Thiago to be very responsible defensively. But even going forward, even though it's not necessarily his role, he's not like an attacking midfielder, but there were two chances where he had Fred and he just skipped right past Fred, the footwork, the little technique and skill. It's like he he puts so much skill into everything that he does. It's just a very high quality class player, right? Um, it's like when you go to a like a really fine restaurant and like everything, the food is cut perfectly and you know it's like high quality produce. It's like local. It's, it's sustainably sourced. Like that's what I get that feeling when I get when I see Tiago. Like even small things like, oh, he's just going to switch the play. Well, he's going to do it with the outside of his foot and it's going to have a perfect curl leading his man to move forward and keep the momentum of the play going. I mean, Tiago is he's he's a very, very beautiful player. And if there is one thing that Liverpool has lacked over the last few years is that beautiful player, like a guy who plays the game beautifully is technically above and beyond. And he was quite good today. And even, you know, some of the tackles that he made, I mean, I think he should have probably, I think in retrospect, probably deserved like a yellow just for the amount of fouls he ended up, um, you know, making. But the slide tackling from that position, honestly, reminds me a little bit of Verratti in terms of he somehow always seems to get the ball in the right moments. And he was, yeah, he's been a breath of fresh air. I, I really wish that he has been healthy all year. Um, but of course, that Everton game was just a, a shit show, really. That Yahoo Sports salary got Will out here fine dining with fresh produce and sustainably <laughs> sourced. And, <laughs> and screw, screw this pandemic. Will's got me hungry. I would love a medium rare steak right about now from the keg. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, no arguments there for me. Uh, Tiago was fantastic and. We talked about those first 25 minutes where it looked like Liverpool were well on top and going to create some type of meaningful chance and go up. Thiago was orchestrating all of that. And I thought defensively, superb, taking Bruno out of the game early. And then the way he was just getting past United's midfield and teeing up, whether it was Trent for crosses or linking up with the forwards, I thought he was excellent. Carl, any dispute from you? No, n- none from me. I thought, uh, I mean, Will summed it up really well. Tiago is just synonymous with class, to be honest. And he's got really, really high game intelligence. He knows when to foul. He knows when to take one for the team. His tactical fouling is on another level. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Pep Guardiola, who coached him really well. <laughs> and um, you know what? He, I think the more games he plays, uh, he's going to lo- unlock more defenses for Liverpool. So it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, title challenge because City, uh, they've been playing well and they don't even have Sergio Aguero right now. So um, let's see what happens. Yeah, it's scary. So we've gone over the best players from each side. We've got the Beckham boot left to give. I think that's Anthony Marshall pretty comfortably. I don't know if you guys have any arguments against that. I would say the only other person that I would have had in contention for that boot was Marcus Rashford, just because being a local lad, I would have expected him to come out with a little bit more fire. He did show that in the end. I guess he was waiting for a, a local Liverpool player, Curtis Jones. He, he left one on him at the end and got the yellow card. But if you look at Rashford's performance, he was offside far too often in the first half where 
if he held his run a little bit, as Will pointed out, that ball over the top, Liverpool can be found wanting based on the high line they're playing. And so I thought, you know, the timing of his runs weren't there and also releasing the ball. Cavani had a great uh, run that he could have been released on. But taking all things into consideration, at the end of the day, you can't fault a player for making that run, right? Okay, yeah, they made it too early. That'll come with time. But when you look at the other candidate for the Beckham boot and Anthony Martial, I think he's allergic to making some of those runs because uh, he needs to make sure uh, he's uh, he's not out of breath and he needs to look cool for the cameras, it looks like. But uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't too impressed with uh, the way Martial played in this game at all. Will, I need a bait from you. No, I mean, he got subbed off, I thought, a little bit late. Quite honestly, he just mm. wasn't providing much. Yeah, I mean, look, he was attacking the weaker side of the Liverpool defense too. So he needed to do more. I, I didn't think anyone from your team necessarily outside of uh, Martial played that badly. I thought Rashford was a little wasteful. There was that chance that I think, you know, he could have. There was a break and he could have laid it off to Cavani. Probably should have laid it off Cavani. I think you guys probably prefer that instead of him driving yep. into absolutely nothing while Fabinho and Henderson just corralled him and just took the ball away from him. That was a little That was a little curious. Uh, someone on Twitter said that, uh, you know, he wouldn't feed Cavani because Cavani's too old, um, which is <laughs> pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was probably Martial. I mean, you know, I think uh, I mean, I think Cavani, the signing there was to kind of put some pressure, especially on your forwards. And I think Martial, I mean, he did not deliver tonight for sure. Probably not great. You guys don't sound that thrilled at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> if there's one thing we can agree on, it looks like the Beckham boot definitely goes to the number nine for both teams. <laughs> no, I mean, listen, when it's no, no, that's what happens, man. <laughs> yeah, yep. Well, a couple questions for you before you go. First off, how are you feeling about this title race and Liverpool's chances, all things considered? Um... I still feel confident. I, I really like this this team. Obviously, they have a lot of quality. They're like unbeatable at home, which is incredibly important. But I don't know. I, it does feel a little bit like it's a lot of opportunity squandered. Because I think coming into this season, you would have thought Liverpool were the favorites, were the best team. They brought back the champions. But on top of that, they bring in Jota, who was a great signing. They bring in Thiago, who was a great signing. And, you know, with every other team pretty much, you know, struggling, I mean, look at like Leicester's like second in the table right now. Like, come on, that shouldn't be happening, right? Uh, <laughs> a disappointing year for Chelsea. I think for you guys, you guys were down bad for a while um, with the Spurs loss. Um, you guys lost to Arsenal too? Is that what happened? Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> I haven't lost in the Premier League since. I know, but still, right? At that point, it yeah. was looking like Liverpool should be running away with this thing already. And, of course, yeah. injuries factored in. The Van Dyke thing was, you know, just really tragic. You know, they've had some other minor injuries, some COVID cases, stuff like that. But they should have built a lo- much larger lead, especially considering, like, City of all teams wasn't scoring for a while either. Yeah, now you look at the table. Now it's a real race. I think it's it's exciting from that perspective. But as a Liverpool fan, I think I'm just a little disappointed. I think the, the league was a little bit soft this year. And Liverpool, I mean, they've had like seven draws already in 18 games. Like that's, I mean, it's just been so many points dropped, especially when you look at like, like Fulham and Newcastle, stuff like that. So, I mean, I still believe that they will win the title. And I believe that because I think they're just like the best quality team. But yeah, at the moment, it's, it's kind of anybody's race. And honestly, this might be, um, I don't know, man, this, this might be the only thing you guys win all year. So I'm, 
<laughs> I'm a, I'm a weird way I'm excited for 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 you guys just as, as friends <laughs> hey man gotta enjoy all the good times while they're here we're learning that hard with the Raptors Will obviously everyone that follows you knows about 10 things knows about Raptors over everything he's watching run it back on YouTube but how did you become a Liverpool fan yeah so um you know I basically came of age as a sports fan in like 2004. Um, that's when my parents finally got cable. And so I was able to watch like, well, I mean, honestly, it, in, in Canada, it was pretty much only shown on the score at the time. Occasionally at TSN, you would see soccer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Liverpool was on top. You know, they Steven Gerrard was like constantly scoring banger after banger after banger. And I was like always like, soccer is my favorite sport. It's been like the sport I've played the most. My dad played it. So he put a, you know, he, he put... Uh, I don't know, a pair of cleats on me at the age of two. I don't have that much skill to show for it, but I definitely love the game. Um, and honestly, like around 2004, when he started getting cable, like Steven Gerrard was just so electric. You know, Istanbul uh, was around that time as well. So yeah, I just decided to pick my teams then. And, you know, locally, of course, like I lived in Toronto, so I picked the Raptors. Um, I supported the Leafs for a while, but of course, you know, I, I stopped because hockey's kind of boring. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the other teams that I picked at the time was like the Colts for football, uh, Liverpool for soccer and yeah I kind of just wrote it out and uh, honestly there were some down years for sure like there were a lot of years where I'm just like I'm I'm good I don't need to tune in to watch some of this stuff but I think especially when they had Suarez like he was the best player in the league and you know they had some honestly pretty good attacking talent over the years you know Raheem Sterling was there Coutinho was quite exciting to watch and of course the last like three, four years have been like must watch because they're really one of the best teams in the world again. So long story short, I just picked a team in 2004 and Liverpool was great at that time. True, true, true. But hey, man, don't cut yourself short. Your score FC is Harry Maguire. You're you holding <laughs> down in the back. <laughs> yeah, same pace, same head. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Well, with that, I'll let you go. Thanks so much for being a part of this, Carl. You and I can wrap up and preview uh, the next match for United. But, Will, thanks so much for joining us and everyone that's listening. As you know, make sure you're listening to 10 Things, uh, reading 10 Things, listening to Raptors over everything, and watching Run It Back. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Honestly, um, you know, I, I, I do – I hate listening to your podcast, essentially. Especially now that you guys are winning, I, I really enjoyed it when you guys were when you guys were losing. Uh, but yeah, I support you guys. I mean, it's a it's a great show, and thanks for having me on, Carl. Looking ahead to United's next match, Wednesday, Jan twentieth, against Fulham away. What are your expectations? Yeah, looking at the way Fulham has played the last five games, just so you know their record, they've lost one, which was most recently to Chelsea over the weekend, but the last four have all been draws. Some of those draws have also included a 1-1 against Liverpool. They've also drawn against Southampton. They're very tight as well. They uh, they don't concede many. They've only conceded. They lost 1-0 to Chelsea, tied 1-1 against Liverpool. So they don't score many either. So it's going to be a very tight affair. It's definitely one of those games where United's going to have to break them down. They're probably going to sit back and, and defend for large parts. Uh, if Mitrovic is playing up top, he might cause a problem. They're definitely going to go with the long ball route. However, United had just passed a test when they played Burnley, which uh, played more than their fair share of long balls, and it was handled with ease. I'm expecting United to come out on top with a 1-2-0 or two nil victory over Fulham. 
but it all depends on the team selection. So what I'm thinking is keeping in mind that next Sunday we are playing Liverpool again in the FA Cup. And Ole, this is one of his best chances of winning a trophy, is the FA Cup. So we know he's going to take that one seriously, right? So looking at the 11 for this game, and you tell me where, where you defer. I've got Wan-Bissaka at the back, right back. I've got Bailly and Maguire in the middle. So Victor's coming out. And then uh, going with Tellez as well on the left-hand side. And then I'm thinking Ole is probably going to go with a midfield diamond just because he does not need two defensive mids. Quickly, we're in agreement that De Gea is in goal, right? Yes, De Gea is in net, correct. And then uh, with the diamond, Matic at the tip of the diamond. You've got Pogba on the left. You've got Bruno up top. And then the right-hand side, this one could go either way. I'm going to say they're going to go with Van der Beek, give him some opportunities. But uh, let's see what happens. And then up top, we'll go with two strikers up top, Cavani and Greenwood. Now, I've left Rashford out of this team, left Martial out of this team. What are your thoughts? I get where you're coming from with Rashford in terms of getting him some rest. So I'm on the same page with you for the most part. As much as I want to see Donny van der Beek on the right side of that diamond... I could potentially see Daniel James getting an opportunity with his pace and maybe just easing the burden on Juan Bissaka after just easing the defensive load. I could see that being a possibility. And of course, you're playing an opponent where maybe you can afford Daniel James' level of play. I think that might be a bit of a debate. I Personally, I lean towards where you're at with Van de Beek starting. Every, every time that there's an opportunity for him to start whether or come off the bench, you're hoping he can take that opportunity to shine. Expectations-wise, yeah, as you said, they've only lost one out of their past five, but I think United have to expect to win this match. Pick up the three points, maintain that momentum. We've talked about this where you draw a game or you lose a game, you want to show that you bounce back immediately. They did that recently after losing to Man City. They were able to come back and get the win over Watford. So I think it's important, again, to take care of business, get three points against Fulham away, maintain that undefeated streak away from home, and keep pushing on. Now, one thing I will say, Vivek, is uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I've watched him a couple of times play for Fulham, and he adds another level of attacking threat. He didn't play against Chelsea, obviously, being his parent club. But he's the guy that can unlock. And you got Lukman, who, who is pretty dangerous. He's pacey. And so those are two people that we definitely have to watch out for. So that's probably Fulham's biggest threat. I'm not sure why Mitrovic isn't playing these days. They've gone with Cavalero instead. He's a big boy up top. So uh, you got to watch out for those headers. And that's one of the reasons why I've also got Bai in there. Because he he's, he's got some good aerial ability. One question for you, Vivek, is if we're going with the diamond... And Fulham, if you look at their last couple of games, they do play a, a 3-4-2-1 formation. Now we can tell that when, when Fulham don't have the ball, that 4-2 and two in midfield can very easily become 6, right? If they really want to pack it at the back, which outnumbers our midfield if we play a diamond. So that's something to, to take into consideration when looking at this formation. Even looking back at the last match Fulham played against Chelsea, when they pressed late, they were causing lots of problems with their crosses. I think that is something where Maguire factors in and you hope that he can stamp it out. By with his physicality, again, you hope and his athleticism that he manages it no problem. But 
the wide areas, if Tellez is going to start, if Juan Bissaka is a bit leggy after having to give it his all against Liverpool, that is potentially an area where United will just have to be wary. Overall, as you said, Fulham have not been scoring a lot of goals. You expect United to come out on the front foot, just dictate terms from the beginning and just set that tempo. And unlike Chelsea, who had chances to kill off that game, they take advantage of their chances and just close this out early and just take care of business where maybe now you give Solskjaer an opportunity to just say, hey, let's think ahead to Liverpool. Let's maybe get Bruno some minutes uh, to rest here. Let's get, you know, maybe Maguire some minutes to rest here. That That's what I'm hoping for in this fixture. I agree. I think you got to make sure your, you know, your, your big guns are well rested because that Liverpool game, you know, they're going to give it their all once again. And the two teams will be familiar with each other, right? So Klopp, you know, is going to come with a better plan B next time. So they got to take care of business early such that they are ready for this game, but not get caught of looking too far ahead at the Liverpool game because they got to make sure they beat Fulham, who most recently just drew Tottenham as well after Tottenham took the lead 1-0. So let's not forget about that. Before we wrap up, we're pretty much at the halfway stage of the season. I don't think what happens in this Fulham match is going to change our perspective of the team too much. 18 games played, 37 points. I've mentioned before, hey, if you pick up an average of two points a match, you're doing pretty well. And I actually went back and looked at the Premier League history to verify that whole 76-point total from 38 matches. Since 92, so the history of the Premier League era, no team that has picked up at least 76 points, has missed out on the top four. Wow, okay. That's uh, a very powerful stat, actually. The closest was one season, Arsenal finished with 75. Right, okay. So basically, what you're saying is if United maintain their current track record, a top four is a given. Mm -hmm. But given where they are right now, how close they are to the top and to the title... Yeah, their aspirations should be a lot higher at this point. That's entirely fair. I think that's going to be the challenge, the next step, right? Now they get to learn what it's like to be in a title race. So I'm not going to call them finishing second or third from here a failure by any means. For me to see them finish second or even third and maintain that type of finish in back-to-back seasons will be a step in the right direction. I think this is a huge learning opportunity the rest of the way if they can just take these lessons and say, okay, we understand how to build a proper title challenge where we take care of business when we need to, we manage the right result where you go to Anfield, a place that Liverpool haven't lost in 67 matches, and you had every opportunity to come away with a win. Even though you know United's at the top of the table, I'm not getting carried away because you look at the noisy neighbors, city. <laughs> if you ask me, they're on another level right now. They haven't even hit peak form. They have not hit peak form. And if they win their next game, they will be top of the table, one point over United. So, you know, those games against City or the game against City in March is going to be a massive game. You cannot afford to get another draw. I was actually just reflecting. If you look at United playing some of the top sides, Chelsea, nil-nil this season. I'll include Arsenal in here just for the sake of it. (laughs) <laughs> one nil we lost to them yep. Liverpool nil nil City nil nil Tottenham 6-1 right 
Leicester. So we need to start winning against the top six if you want yeah. to win the title. Everton would be the only one we beat. Well, that's the challenge. That's the challenge to be a legitimate title contender, to beat the best teams, to show that you're on that level. We'll see how it goes the rest of the way. A reminder, we are on Twitter at and Instagram at Red Couch Manx. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe. Join us after every match. Reviews, ratings, getting in touch with us on social media is all appreciated. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.